Hey there, friends. You're listening to the Coffee and Books podcast. I'm your host, Scott. We're going to try this one more time. I am going to be talking today about the movie Oppenheimer. So needless to say, there are spoilers. Real quick, before we begin, I want to shout out Jamashop, J-O-M-A-S-H-O-P.com for my late latest watch purchase. Uh, Seiko number five uh, is an automatic movement watch. Works incredible. Drama Shop sends it for free shipping if it's orders over $100 or more. They specialize in luxury watches. Definitely something to keep in mind if you're a watch collector. Uh, really professional, very nice, came with warranty. Recommend it. Okay, let's get into talking today about Oppenheimer. For I am death, destroyer of worlds. It is a quote that you hear throughout that movie, and needless to say, spoilers. So if you don't want anything spoiled in this uh, don't listen to this yet if you haven't seen the movie, but basically I'm going to talk about this film today in detail, what I thought of it, um, and I did like it. I'm going to start off with, I'm going to say I give it a 4 out of 5 to kind of get things rolling here, and we're going to talk about why. Uh, number one, uh, a couple of things you need to know about this movie. Number one, it was based on true history. It is based on a book called American Prometheus, which is basically the life or biography of uh, Robert J. Oppenheimer, the inventor of the atom bomb, you know, the atomic bomb, which revolutionized the world during World War II, ended the war, basically. And this movie, basically, Oppenheimer covers his life. Uh, So that's number one. I have not read the book yet. I fully intend to, but I have not made it around to doing that yet. And it is an incredibly popular book right now because everybody wants to read it after seeing this movie. Number two... um, I will say another thing you need to know about this movie is that it is divided into parts, and it's a little jarring not to warn you away from it. But what I mean by that is that this movie jumps around a lot. It jumps around because it's covering simultaneously three different points in history. Number one, it's covering the early history of Robert J. Oppenheimer's life. It's covering his background and how he got to being the scientist that he is. Um, And then how he ended up in Los Alamos in New Mexico and how he basically invented the atom bomb. Uh, Part two, of course, is going to cover his life post-World War II, where he becomes this spokesperson for the atom bomb and what his life was like um, prior and after. And then, of course, we go into part three, which is basically when he's trying to not necessarily be on trial, but he's basically brought before a committee to decide whether or not he should have his uh, security clearance cleared again or not renewed. And the reason why, spoiler again, is that he's not getting it renewed is because he was a very big communist um, and communist sympathizer, I guess you could say. So where did it all kind of start is that it jumps around and talks about different people in his life and talks about why this guy invented what he did and what did he feel about it, this big emotional complex thing. Um, so first we have to talk about how he did not necessarily go in with the idea of inventing something practical like a bomb. Uh, we, you know, in this movie it covered it very well. Basically the idea was not, you know, it was a, a theory that they put into practice and eventually they weaponized it. You know, the movie kind of covers it a little bit, but they basically said they had no choice. There was an arms race it was the United States or the Allies at that time, uh, being the Soviet Union and Great Britain versus the Axis powers. There was a huge race to decide who would get to have the greatest minds in the world. Germany was trying to create a bomb, you know, a super weapon. And it was people like Einstein, who were Jewish and also physicists and very smart, intelligent people, basically warned 
the United States, people like FDR, about how if Germany wasn't stopped, they would eventually develop this bomb. And you do not want them to have the atom bomb because they will use it. So at first in the story, they covered the necessity of inventing this bomb. You know, of course, you know, after Oppenheimer becomes hugely successful in making this device and, you know, a large portion of movies covering how he has to recruit scientists and how they have to live in the middle of nowhere with their families for years and are sworn to secrecy and how they don't want anyone to get out because they don't want any spies and they don't want anyone knowing what they're working on. You know, and this is a $2 billion project in the 1940s. You know, it was huge. It was unlike anything the world had ever seen before or since. It was a huge deal. You know, and just the idea of, like, just making a town in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, to test these experiments, to give a physicist this incredible amount of power and faith was just a huge thing at the time. You know, it it is incredible to me that this even happened. Because just the idea that, you know, the government would put that much faith in that a weapon could be made that could be deployed against those countries is incredible. Okay, so what happened? Well, we all know in real life, of course, that the bomb was made. And then we all know that it was used. It was dropped by Truman after FDR had passed away. During World War II, it was used on the Japanese. The Germans by that point had already lost the war. You know, Japan had basically indicated it would never surrender. It was an unfortunate uh, loss of amount of life. And we're going to talk a lot about that and what Oppenheimer felt. Because basically, in the movie, you know, he has this moment of realization of horror about how incredible, you know, that he's created this thing. But there's a chance that he will destroy the world. And he basically has to think about it because it's like he's given you know, us, the power, you know, the, and, and the, you know, if you don't already know, it is suggesting it's like Prometheus, you know, like Prometheus, you know, for him stealing fire from the gods and ancient Greek literature, he was, you know, chained and shackled to a giant rock repeatedly to doom, you know, everything again and again and again, you know, basically, in other words, in the Greek story Prometheus, which is very accurate for how this movie is, you know, even though this incredible power was gifted to human, you know, civilization, you know, people like Oppenheimer had to be pulled down again and again and again. And that's where the politics of this movie come in. So you might say, okay, well, obviously it's going to be very political. It's going to focus on the, you know, McCarthyism and the witch hunts and all that. But really what it comes down to, I think, is showing the dangers of politics, Um, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, what we're talking about is, you know, he creates this bomb, this weapon, and immediately regrets it because he has this big idea of, like, what I've done is horrible, I need to stop it, and, you know, before it gets too late, and then, you know, he has regrets after World War II, but by then it's too late, the Russians already have the bomb, you know, and then basically we're in a Cold War nuclear standoff with another country, basically for the next 50 years. And it's all because he's given this amazing, powerful weapon to the humanity, to civilization. And, you know, he meets these amazing scientists along the way, people like Einstein and Niels Bohr, and just so many different wonderful scientific minds that can't seem to fathom and understand, you know, like what was actually happening in the world around them, you know. And Oppenheimer, of course, adds so many different unique aspects to the story. But, but, you know, he was Jewish. He was creating this thing that he, he thought was going to help civilization, and, and then it turned into a weapon. And then 
It became about, well, if I'm turning this into a weapon, I have to stop it. And then it became, why do you want to stop it? Do you want to stop it because you're left-leaning? And then it became, you know, and like I said, in McCarthyism, it became a thing. And, of course, that was the end of his career and end of his story. And then he died not shortly long after. Uh, But, you know, in hindsight, when we look at things, we see the horror of what he did. And, you know, I think it's easy to take what happened today, like what we know about the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and look back on it and think, how could he do that? But, you know, one thing we have to understand is that they didn't know how many people were going to die. I think is the major point, you know, at this point in the war, in World War II, you know, it was, you know, a very much us or them mentality, which I think has unfortunately permeated very much into cultures. But, you know, unfortunately, there was total war between Japan and the rest of the world at this point. You know, Japan had no chance of winning this war, and yet they were still committed to throwing their soldiers and their people into this battle. There's even plots, even if Japan surrendered, that they would continue to fight the war. You know, the U.S. had to prove without a shadow of a doubt that they would destroy Japan. If they, you know, like the only other choice was to invade the islands, the home islands of Japan, and fight it one by one, it would be a very long, prolonged war, even with the Russians helping, even with the British, even with the French, even with everyone coming together and working on fighting, it would be a block-by-block battle until basically everyone in Japan suffered immensely. So the decision was made, of course, like I said, to drop this bomb in the hopes that it would make Japan surrender. If they had witnessed the awe of this power, maybe they would stop. It did not happen. And I think that's very important to note is that Japan, you know, continued after the first bombing. And then, of course, the second bombing happened, and we know what happened, and eventually they did surrender. But it was just the idea of, that, like, how do you decide who lives and who dies? How do you decide what town to select, where it would be, you know? In the movie, they make a big point of mentioning about Kyoto. You know, Kyoto was one of the main targets. But it's like, do you want to select Kyoto? That's the capital, you know, heritage. You know, that's that's the importance of Japan. You know, Kyoto was the home of the emperor for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, to destroy Kyoto would be akin to destroying Japanese society. And the Japanese would resist even more so. So it was made a point to remove Kyoto from this list. But then it's like, what do you choose? You know, Japan is only so big. In the movie, Oppenheimer even says the target is too small. You know, and eventually these sites were selected, you know, for certain reasons, probably because of their contribution to the war effort. And eventually they were bombed and they were destroyed. Now, eventually they were rebuilt. You know, like Hiroshima has recovered very much so. And so has Nagasaki. But it's just the idea of, you know, like, this person, you know, directly contributed to the death of over 220,000 people at least. And, you know, that's including the deaths of both bombings and, you know, also the fallout that was from that attack. You know, there's no exact way to calculate how much life was lost and how many innocent civilians died because of it. I think that's the part that hurts me the most in the story is that they did not specifically state that, you know, like, yes, Japan and America were at war, and yes, this was a very much an act of aggression, but that, you know, it was basically wiping two cities off of the map. And how many of those people were, you know, combat soldiers? You know, not many. You know, yes, there were factories that were targeted, and 
stuff that helped the war effort, but how can you say that, you know, the people deserve that? They didn't, you know, and that's, I think, the point is that, you know, I think the point is that Oppenheimer regretted his actions of creating this, you know, power because he knew it would just lead to this destruction. And that was an early atomic, atomic bomb weapon. You know, I can't imagine what it would be now. It would be probably complete annihilation. So anyway, they make a lot of gallow humor jokes in the movie. They talk about a lot about how there's even the possibility that, like, you know, once they start this chain reaction, it could actually ignite the Earth's atmosphere and the whole world can end up destroyed, which was a possibility. Um, you know, and, and in fact, like I said, there were a lot of amazing conversations had between many different famous people. Um, I felt, you know, uh, there were an amazing cast in this movie. Um, I really particularly enjoyed Robert Downey Jr.'s character, um, who I did not know a lot about. Uh, and I would probably like to learn more about that person in history. But just the idea of, you know, Oppenheimer being betrayed... Uh, by a fellow confident, you know, somebody who worked to help him in his career and then just turn him into basically the FBI and the government and basically say, you know, this person is a danger. They could be giving the Russians information, but this was the person who literally invented the bomb. So why would he give it to another country, even though he was basically arguing for the entire time of international cooperation and basically trying to end you know, a nuclear arms race before it got out of control, but then it didn't <laughs> because people mistook him for his left-leaning sympathies as being a complete communist. And I think they do a good job in the story as well of talking about, well, what's the difference between a communist and, you know, a Soviet communist? And I think, like, prior to Stalinism, you know, prior to people's association with Soviet Russia as communists, many people pictured communism differently. And uh, I think that's very well articulated in the story that many people who had left liberal leanings in the 30s supported communism. That doesn't mean that they were technically, you know, like Stalin's communism. They were their own identity and that the politics of the time were explained very accurately. And, you know, I think another factor we have to understand about this movie is that, you know, Oppenheimer was a complex figure who had a family, who was also a, a complete womanizer. Um, you know, in the story, one of the women that he loves commits suicide because, you know, she's depressed that he's not with her. And then it's just, it's a very emotional roller coaster of an experience. And, you know, the moment that they build up to is the release of this bomb is like, it's this incredible thing that you know that they're going to achieve, but just to actually see it on the screen and to see them, what they're doing, you know, it's just, it was an incredible, I think, scientific moment, and I think they captured it very well. And like I said, I do like Christopher Nolan, and I think he did a good job, but I felt like the scenes were very jarring when they go in between the black and white to regular to, you know, like just the different time periods were all kind of hewed differently. And just to see all that jumping, going back and forth, made it a little bit jarring to watch. But I think more focus should have been about Oppenheimer. And I think, you know, this is the best way I can describe it. This movie was about two people, and I think it should have been just about Oppenheimer. I think that that's the best way to describe it. I think Robert Downey Jr.'s character, uh, Strauss, I think he took up more than was necessary. And I think that... This movie, which is really long, it's over three hours. Uh, I think it could have been shortened a little bit. And, you know, I think it would have made more sense. 
Um, not that I didn't, like I said, appreciate it, but that's why I wouldn't give it a five because there's so much going on here. And I just, you know, this is the type of movie where you need an intermission because there's just so much hitting you at once. Anyway, so those are my thoughts about the Oppenheimer movie. I would recommend it. I'd go see it in theaters. If you're lucky, you might be near one of the movie theaters that are screening it on the 70 millimeter, which is a better rate of frame. Um, overall, I would say I would go see this in theaters. Definitely check it out. I'm going to read the book, American Prometheus, and I'd like to do a comparison when I get the chance. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, you're listening to Coffee and Books. This is your host, Scott.